This is Jesse Parker and Tommy Niblack. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Faith, faith Chair, where we answer the questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. So we are here. It is Faith Chair Friday, and uh, Jesse's hair looks all right. It doesn't. It's good. Actually, it doesn't. <laughs> it's long. I, I have to cut it. I have to cut it tomorrow. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I'm getting mine the day after tomorrow. See. Yeah. See, if 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 we weren't in the 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 current COVID climate we're in now, I would have had you come over here. I would have cut your hair, and we would. <laughs> that was uh, yeah. I I don't know. I I sent you links. So I don't know if you listened to the first episode or anything, but that's that's where this podcast came from. Was he was cutting my hair, and we were just having these conversations, and we were like, dude, we should record these. Mm-hmm. And hence, just the like, face, just like the LeBron face James, it's a barber's hair. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yep. take it you guys do watch that, right? The the barber shop, or I think it's just called the shop. I haven't seen. Is it. that the, the the one that LeBron produces? Yes. Yeah, I've seen a couple of episodes of it. That was the idea. Like we didn't want it to be scripted. It's just kind of like jump in where you fit in and, yeah. and off the cuff and just being really real with it and and addressing real stuff that's going on. So, because if you go if you go to a barber shop, that's kind of how it is. Yeah. That guys just folks just get into conversations and it's just it just kind of takes a life of its own and then um we don't know his end where we thought where right, we right, right 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 <laughs> so uh we wanted it to be a barbershop style conversations and um but yeah i'm he's not getting a cut today <laughs> he's gonna get one tomorrow <laughs> um but jesse introduce your friend hopefully to soon to be my friend as well <laughs> Um, I don't know how I'm going to handle myself having two Jessies in my life. Yeah. But yeah, well, they just call me yeah. Hart. Hart? Hart's my last name. It's uh, That's what I tend to go by if there's another Jesse around. Nice. <laughs> okay. Well, like I'll easier. try to remember. I'll probably just do it. Oh, God. That but sounds, yeah. that sounds those... like an R&B singer, Jay Hart. <laughs> He's an R&B singer. <laughs> Uh, we'll just call him JH and JP now. But yeah, for the, for the listeners that don't get confused, uh, uh, this is my friend uh, Jesse as well. And uh, uh, he he didn't want a, a list of all of his accomplishments in, in history and accolades. So uh, we'll just suffice to say that we, we met in law school uh, uh, more years ago than I care to admit. And, wow. <laughs> and it's we, been a while. We stayed, uh, we stayed loosely connected on social media um i will say for the purpose of our podcast jesse is a as i found out recently uh, a very principled agnostic and uh and uh, so we we have a lot of dialogue and stuff on social media about current events and obviously this past year a lot of politics um as well as some 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 matters of faith in in the con in the construct of, of how the church interacts with the rest of society so yeah. Uh, we wanted to to hit on a topic which which I personally am anticipating is going to become more of an issue as we move into this new administration, in no small part because of the animosity that the church has built up over the last four years um, through politics and other things. Um, but but the 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 status of churches in the United States as uh, nonprofit entities under um, under the tax law um, and how that benefits churches uh, and perhaps at the expense of other things 
and uh, and get Jesse's view um, as um, as a lawyer um, and as someone outside the church. Yeah. Uh, how he sees those those things play out. How he so you you're, you're practicing now. You you practice. Uh, so I I have my uh, license, um, but the work that I do doesn't actually require uh the uh the license um it helps um and i i since we're doing a podcast about you know i guess sort of a hot button political issue um you know it's something i had to check with my company on and um i'm definitely not representative of, of my company i'm just here uh talking things out as 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 hard that's a, nice. I forgot I was going to do the introduction nice. because I periodically on the show have to do the same thing because uh, you know we Tommy and I are very cognizant of the fact that we tend to be on the the edges of of what is mainstream uh, uh, accepted theology um, although we see we we try very hard to make sure that we're biblical but mm-hmm. but uh, as I'm sure even you understand Jesse a lot of the church has strayed very far away from the tenets of Jesus whether you believe in him or not um and so periodically i like to just <laughs> make sure everyone knows that my views tommy's views your views do not speak to any larger organization right, right. by who we might uh, be a member of or be empo- employed by these are these are our views right our convictions our beliefs um and you are not required to accept we, them or, or or believe them or change your ideas because of them right we just want to put them out there to help people who may have questions and thoughts and feelings about these but may not have been able to process them um, or have anyone else address them so. right <laughs> yeah so um that being said uh I, I don't know do you guys usually just uh just talk and and come up with things to say or uh so i wanted to know just real quick do you have a funny story about Jesse and law no, school? You did not. You did not. Hopefully it was so long ago. I, I doubt it because I was almost on, never there. Oh, for real? <laughs> I mean, that was clue number one that I probably wasn't really meant to be a lawyer was that I was yeah, as little as I, possible. I do remember <laughs> that uh, in that first year, you know, he was coming, he was coming, and then started to trickle off a little bit. And I was like, hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know if he's going to... Yeah. I also did not. I did not join any study groups. For real? Yeah, no, I didn't join any study groups. He was he was on the football team though. We we had uh, flag football law league team. Oh, and uh, this wasn't a law school. This is a school where you guys went and no, no, this was a law school. A law school but with we, a football team? No, no, I mean, it was intramural. <laughs> it was like intramural oh, 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 flag, oh. flag football. It was like flag football. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, what? Not, we call the attorney. <laughs> did, did we play basketball together too? Were you on the basketball team? Yeah. 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 We actually basically we actually were the champions in whatever year that was. We I don't know if we lost the game actually. I, I mean, granted, we were playing against other attorney wannabes, but um, <laughs> we dominated. But we, yeah, I, I don't did. remember losing a single game in no, football yeah, no, or basketball. No, we were, we were hoopers. <laughs> Get out of here! That's crazy. Yeah, we have some, we have some good players. So, so that was one question. My second question, just to get us rolling, just because of your, um, what Jesse was explaining about you, how did you land where you are now, as far as your stance on uh, religion? It was very interesting. 
Yeah, so uh, that is sort of a circuitous, uh, I'll, I'll start back when I was a kid. I, I grew up in, uh, I guess you'd call it a mixed family in terms of religious upbringing. Uh, my parents divorced when I was very young. Uh, my mom uh, remarried um, and, and her family is uh, uh, evangelical. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Plymouth Brethren, but uh, that was that was what I grew up in on my mom's side. My dad was uh, an atheist, um, and uh, so uh, I grew up uh, having to kind of come to terms with very different ideas hmm. uh, about you know religious philosophy and that kind of thing uh, at a really young age, and 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 try to somehow bridge that divide. Um, I uh, considered myself uh, a Christian up until high school. Um, and then I started having uh, thoughts really about, uh, you know, a lot of questioning, that kind of thing. Um, and I would say I went pretty far towards the atheist, uh, kind of the, the in-your-face approach that I'm sure that you guys are uh, familiar with from time to time. Yes. Um, at some point, I kind of grew out of that, realized that, you know, we're, we're all living on the same planet, and we, we need to try to figure out how to uh, get along with one another. Um, mm -hmm. And I also, uh, at some point, realized that it doesn't really, you know, you can pick whatever your belief is, um, but at the end of the day, there's no way that anybody can tell me that they're living uh, their life based on anything other than a foundation of faith of some sort. I don't, mm -hmm. Whether you're atheist or agnostic or Christian or Buddhist, uh, at the end of the day, uh, when it all comes down to how do I decide how to approach the world and how to make meaning out of my life, uh, there has to be some element of faith that, that gives you that foundation, whether you recognize it or not. Um, and, uh, you know, coming to that uh, realization, uh, you know, and that was really not that long ago, maybe, you know, I, I'm a little bit older now, so not that long ago means like 10 years ago to me. But, <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but uh, that was really something that, that made me realize that, um, even more so that uh, you know we really have to try to figure out how to uh, live together with with everyone. Mm -hmm. And also, you look at our country, um, and we really are a pluralistic country in, in pretty much every sense of the word. Um, and you know, if you get out and, and and go to other places throughout the world, and you know, I spent some time in Europe, uh, not not too much time elsewhere, but enough to see that you know we are a lot more diverse as a nation than others. And I think that's really one of our strengths. Mm. Um, so when I look at uh, what makes us great as a country, one of the things I do look at is, you know, at the outset, uh, we, we put into the First Amendment this idea that, that uh, you know, it's not up to the government to decide how things are, are done with respect to religion. Um, and to me, that's a really important point. It's, it's mm -hmm. one of the things that allows for the kind of diversity that we do have in this country. 
um, and, and, and I place a really high value on that. So that's kind of where I am. It's interesting too when I think that like, I think me and you probably went through the same process hmm. from, from two different sides of the spectrum. But like, I feel like be, because we, we both, and, and I don't know, I mean, obviously there's a wide spectrum of people who go to law school and become lawyers, but, but I think we all probably share at least something in common in our personality um, to, to <laughs> yes. draw us to that particular profession, yeah. um, regardless of what aspect or, I mean, obviously lots of people who get there, uh, their JD don't even I hate license to admit it, and but I'll just get the degree were... and do something completely different with it. Not everybody practices law, but um, but this idea of like you went through this phase of of kind of militaristic atheism, and I went through a phase early in in undergrad of kind of militaristic Christianity when I was on all these like there was there was this website that was supposed to be for like you know civil dialogue between atheists and christians it wasn't civil at all and i was on there all the time <laughs> my dad put me onto that one and, and after a while you just yeah you you come to this it realization of like this is completely pointless because right. at the end of the day we're always going to boil down to i choose to believe or i choose not to believe because you right. can't you can't into you can't intellectually convince someone to believe something and there is no concrete definitive evidence right either way for any religion or, or right. quote unquote non-religion. I appreciate, and it, you know, it's, it's everything that I know about Jesse and his fairness uh, is that he, you know, recognizes that even atheism is in itself a belief system um, that, that is no less perhaps zealous right. and, and uh, passionate than any other faith belief system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we all make a choice at some point of what, what non-conclusive evidence we are going to choose to, believe mm -hmm. as uh, as we would say in the law it is a uh uh now i'm blanking on the word what's the word i'm looking for it is a it's a c what's that i am not sure the, we don't have definitive proof they say it's a circumstantial circumstantial it's a okay. circumstantial yeah. case no matter what <laughs> no matter what your viewpoint is it's circumstantial there's no definitive i have evidence. i have residual law information because of my wife and i should have <laughs> oh yeah his wife is a lawyer i, I forgot to <laughs> yeah, he was I telling me that. That. I, but, I, my sympathies <laughs> it's actually been way better it was worse when we lived in new york because one of her one of the guys she worked for was this he was a short like when I say short, he was about four nine. That that is short. That's four like nine Jewish guy. Short. He used to um he used to uh he had clients that were in the mob and he was like <laughs> telling them what to do. Like this dude was like he was no joke. We'd have a, a two foot blizzard. It had accumulated two two feet. It, after snowing for like two hours and it was still coming down and he calls my wife and like, how come you're not at work? She's like, are you kidding me? I live 45 minutes away. So he oh, was, man. he was like unreasonable. Um, but he was a good guy. He was a good guy. Although the good news is that you're the husband. So you're already expected to lose all the arguments. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I've resigned to the fact that my wife is, She's just smarter than me. And I tell her that all the time. You're smarter than me, babe. So, but <laughs> while, uh, while 
we already talked about this. We we don't want to make this podcast about um, uh, the difference of religion, although I find it amazing and fascinating. Um, um, how there's so many Christians that, <laughs> so many Christ followers that say they love, but when it comes down to loving, they are not, they do not. Mm-hmm. Because just like you said, you, your dad put you on to this, it was supposed to be a civil uh, conversations between atheists and Christians and it never yeah. turned out to be that. When, like what Jesse was saying, I highly doubt that anyone on that website right. ever got converted. Right. <laughs> when the point is, and J, and Jay Hart, you know what I'm saying, the Grammy Grammy Award winning R&B singer, uh, said said that the point is, how can we best get along with each other? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and if if we as believers forget that that's what Jesus did, then we're never we're never going to do that we're never we can't even have a regular conversation about coffee yeah, you, you know right, what i'm saying right. so but um <laughs> and of course we you know we've talked a lot on the show about how you know there has been this very dangerous and, and really historically it goes all the way back to rome the, the the at the very moment that christianity was accepted into the halls of government there, right there began a deterioration of of the teachings of Christ right. and of Christianity. And that continues today because as, you know, as Jesse says, and as, as we've talked about, and I believe too, like when you look at the constitution, the founding document of the United States, there is a, there is a clear message of, of pluralism mm-hmm. and respect for mm-hmm. those who think differently and, mm-hmm. and especially want to worship differently, but in practice, <laughs> Right. In practice, we haven't we haven't been great about that. And we haven't set up uh, uh, rules and guidelines that have actually really made that a reality. And and, uh, you know, the 501c3 nonprofit status of churches is one of those ways where, you know, some and I I know Jesse as well argues that the government is violating the Constitution. So you want to talk about adding and giving a preference to religious institutions. Yeah. So you want to share with, if you if you know this, how and when or when five hundred one c threes became something that churches could get, and uh, what was the reasoning? You know, I actually why? I actually don't know the origin. Of okay. That. Um, I, I mean, they've been churches have had a unique status. Uh, as uh, nonprofit organizations for as long as I know, um, obviously it's it, if you would look at the case law, there there have been changes over time. But um, I was just about to do that. <laughs> you guys talking? I'm gonna. Google. I was just about to. I was do like, that. dang it, Tommy. You, it, I was like, we should. Have I put my hand in my we, pocket we totally to grab my phone. But I think it has to and do I'm, with Jerry Falwell. I'm not sure. Go ahead. Well, so what I was going to say is, um, I, I don't even take issue with the idea of, of churches being able to operate as nonprofits, uh, but their status as churches shouldn't come into that, from my point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know we have nonprofits, uh, we have secular nonprofits, um, and I don't see any reason why. Uh, churches couldn't hold uh, the same status as a sec- secular nonprofit for the same reason. 
you know, if you're going to function as a nonprofit, just function as a nonprofit. Yeah. Um, to me, when you start having special rules for churches uh, and uh, for certain religions, it, I just think that it's too easy to favor some churches over others, uh, some religious ideas over others. Yeah. Um, and and for uh, as Jesse pointed out, for government to start getting into the business of deciding what religion is legitimate and what should, what isn't. Um, and, uh, you know, from someone from an agnostics perspective, I'd say maybe it's a little easier for me to recognize that uh, because truth is I am in the minority. Uh, there's no question about it. Um, and pretty much on a daily basis, there are reminders of that that I'm able to see that, hmm. you know, uh, when you're a minority, that's just the way it is. Uh, you learn to live with it um, and try to figure out how to make make it okay, uh, and also pick your battles about when to bring up. Hey, you know. Yeah, I I, I actually it was interesting because I was mentally preparing for the podcast this week, and so you know I forget what the, the term is for it, but you know they, they say that you're you know when you're thinking about something your brain is triggered then and it picks it up all around you mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh and so during the inauguration uh, you know i was very aware of the fact that like you know everything is always in in terms of the prayers mm -hmm. and you know the clergy that are present everything is always geared towards uh christianity mm -hmm. uh but if we are really going to you know and even even as you know, I you know we're pretty we've been pretty clear that we're happy Trump didn't win and we're happy that Biden is the president. I'm not saying that he's perfect or that he's going to make tons of changes or be great, yeah. but better than the alternative. But you know, he <laughs> says you know I'm gonna I want to be a president that brings unity. Yeah. And yet in the inauguration, there's no right there's no deference given or opportunity or recognition given to any of the other major religions in our country or yeah. belief systems, um, and and no airtime um or voice given to them uh they're still uh, it's, even in the democrat side of things a a over emphasis and focus on the the christian mindset probably because we're still the voting uh, majority as, as yeah. you were pointing out jesse so i'll tell you a story um when i got out of high school i i uh, wasn't sure what i wanted to do with myself and decided to uh, uh, just go go all in crazy and, and join the infantry. <laughs> oh, word. Uh, I so, thought I remembered that. I was like, how about that, Jesse? Does he not even want me to even mention the military? Or... <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so, um, so three years active duty, right? Um, oh, wow. You go through basic training and advanced infantry training, right? Um, and uh, on Sundays, and this is when I was, you know, pretty adamantly atheist. Uh, you know, they they'd uh, they'd have time for people to go to church, right? And if you didn't go to church, you know what you got to do? You clean, got to probably. Clean the yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're basically being punished for not being religious. And this wow. is a federal. This is a federal institution. Um, and boy, did that really stick in my craw back in the day. Um, you know. As the years have gone by, this, uh, the, the the bitterness of that's kind of faded a little bit. But, um, I, 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 I was quite frustrated by that. I'm not yeah. going to lie. <laughs> it's a great point just yeah. for all of us, especially as Christians, 
uh, kind of in the same way that we're having to have dialogue around systemic racism and recognize uh, issues that black and brown people in this country face that we as white people can't understand. Mm -hmm. The same is true on a religious front, mm -hmm. that there's a lot of subtle ways that despite what our constitution says, our government has uh, become Christianized and we don't as Christians understand how that affects people who are not Christians. We can't understand how that makes them feel marginalized, ignored, right. uh, silenced, um, and, and in, you know, simple and seemingly benign instances like that in some ways punished yeah. for not joining the, the status quo uh, in terms of faith. Um, and that's, that's always something that's an interesting, that would be an interesting thing to kind of dig into beyond even the 501c3. Like what are the other places and ways that government has subtly, you know, established Christianity as the national religion in in violation, clear violation, clear of, violation of our constitution. But before, because I think that's dope. Before we do that, why? What What are the benefits of a church being a five hundred one c three? Well, I mean, essentially, I mean, your taxes them. So, you know, that's how churches are able to have a uh, big property that they don't have to pay taxes on. Um, and that also makes donations tax deductible, uh, just like right. any other nonprofit. So there's a, a, a loose benefit for donors and a motivation there to, to donate as well. Well, there's a whole slew of religious exemptions. Um, which I imagine that you guys may be familiar with, because if you have employees, uh, there are laws that apply to every other employer in the nation. Uh, but as a church, uh, you don't have to abide by those laws. Uh, and we're talking things like anti-discrimination laws, um, simply because you're a church um, and uh, you get religious exemptions. Um, my uh, my uh, living partner's mom, uh, she worked at a church uh, before COVID, um, and uh, when when they had the shutdown and uh, she had to stop working, uh, her uh, she ended up not being able to uh, get any uh, unemployment because her church was not required to put into the unemployment fund. Yeah. Uh, there are all sorts of little things like so that. They're going to they're gonna be, yeah, uh, yeah there's going to be some hidden pitfalls to wow. those benefits as well that people don't wow. think about. Wow, and, that's crazy. But yeah. Um, and, you know, there are aspects to uh, just regular nonprofits that are different than regular employers as well, which that's understandable and you can i can even see arguments for you know why churches uh might want to be able to have some leeway in terms of their religious beliefs but i just i do have a hard time with the notion that uh if you have employees that you get to treat them uh with less of the dignity and respect required by law of everybody else um uh, things like yeah. unemployment, things like uh, discrimination. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely one of the hot buttons, re you know, recently is, is, you know, the ability of religious institutions to mm -hmm. refuse to hire people based upon what 
you know, our Constitution and Bill of Rights says are protected uh, categories such as sexual orientation what? and things like that, right? Like a church is allowed sense. allowed to not hire someone based upon if they were homosexual, whereas no one else, Has no it. one else is allowed to do that, right? Um, and, and so there that's is That's because of the five, that's a- I don't know, that's not the 501c3 specifically. Um, and I was reading it and I already knew this, like one of the, it's actually interesting, I was reading the history of it was because churches don't have to actually apply to be 501c3s yeah. and I, as far as I, I as far as i know that doesn't when they say churches it's really a house of worship it's not just christian mm-hmm. but uh, many do just for the confidence of those who donate that they actually have that little number but but you're not required to and okay. the, the idea behind it was actually to prevent a government being involved in religion because what they didn't want was the IRS to be involved in establishing the validity of a house of worship in terms of of, of being worthy of being tax exempt or not. Uh-huh. So they just kind of made it a blanket thing. But of course, as we understand in law, Jesse, when there's loose definition, <laughs> it allows for abuses, right? <laughs> and and kind of the conversation that sparked the idea to have Maybe this abuse. podcast a while back was, you know, we had a dialogue around the fact that uh, you know, um, <laughs> I can, it, this comes up on the show all the time and I don't know why Jesse, but I can never remember Olstein, Joel Olstein. The fact that Joel Olstein <laughs> has a, a, what, remind me what, what is it? Is it a 14.4 or 4.4 million? One of those two. It's got four. I, I think it was 4.4. Yeah. 4.4 million dollar mansion. And, and of course, he, oh, that, and of course he makes all that money off of his books, but the fact that he's able to promote sales of his books through the entity of the church and their broadcast and they get to function as a nonprofit and and they were as many churches were able to apply for uh uh payroll protection the care yeah the care act to to cover paying their employees even though you know they already enjoy all these other tax breaks and benefits yeah i think we might have had a little exchange about that if i recall correctly yeah 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 could you share? Could you share with us some of your thoughts about that? Because I, I didn't, I didn't see that exchange. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Jesse pointed out uh, fairly that you know he he is making a lot of money from from book sales, uh, which is totally uh, legitimate. Which he pays taxes uh, on. Uh, uh, but as Jesse also mentioned, one of the other aspects to that is you know he's using his church. Uh, as as a means of, of publicity, and uh, that can't but help his book sales. And, right. And then on top of that, uh, as we talked about with the, with the uh, pay uh, payment protection uh, through COVID, um, it is technically a loan. Uh, but you know, my point was, this is a loan that that can be forgiven. Uh, so he's basically getting a, a, a loan that doesn't have to be treated as income, uh, and it goes all to the church. And I, I just I look at Joel Osteen and I, I look at the the things that he does, and uh, I, I just have a hard time believing that that what he's doing with that money is is uh, benefiting his entire. Uh, what do you say the, the uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking Organi- on the word. organization? Yeah, organization. Uh, it's certainly not evenly. 
<laughs> yeah. 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 And like we said, that's one of those yeah. gray areas where, and one of my points I made to Jesse was like, you know, people have to keep in mind that obviously mega churches like that are mm-hmm. in the forefront and, and they're visible, but the vast majority of churches, you know, are operating month to month with bivocational pastors. They're not, they don't have businesses operating within the church, mm-hmm. but, but lines get, shady and questions of integrity do arise when you get to the point where church and business get a little blurry and can we really can we really say that these 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 you know mega church pastors are being above board yeah have they never asked any of the church employees to do a side project for you know for their biz, for the business side do they pay them for that i mean as we talked about Jesse i was like yeah you know if you really want to be above board yeah. and beyond reproach his book business should pay the church for the airtime where he gets to talk about his book. I mean, that right. would be the above board way to do it. Right. Um, yeah. But, uh, but that's not how things work. And I think a lot of churches, when they get to that point, there are some muddying of the line, some, some, Oh, for sure. For uh, sure. What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Some, uh, just opportunities taken. Mm-hmm. And, and of course we understand many times <laughs> church people, label questionable practices as blessings from the Lord. Like I, you know, oh well, that's God. just the blessing of the Lord that this happened to work out this way to my benefit when it's actually kind of a questionable business practice. Like, unfortunately those lines get blurred, you know, and it speaks to your point of like, should churches continue to enjoy these benefits without either stricter oversight um, or a different, a different construct I just think it would be a lot simpler if government just tried to pull out of the business of, of trying to regulate religion one way or another, period. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, you're always going to have, there's always going to be some tension there. There's mm-hmm. always going to, there are always going to be lines that you have to decide which side uh, the government needs to be on. Um, but it seems to me, uh, that the less that the government gets involved, uh, the better it is for ever. Not just me, not but but also people who are Christian. Because I mean, you have a whole bunch of different uh, Christian belief systems, even within that religion. Right. Um, and uh, no one should take precedence over the others. And yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of like you know, if you're going to be. You know, and, and as, uh, you know, another point that you made, Jesse, that was a fair a fair point as well is that, and especially when you talk about coming to the, the CARES Act loans and stuff, is that the churches are receiving benefits from tax money that they don't contribute to. I was just and so in the say, same way that if I lose my job, but I've never paid in unemployment, I don't get to take any unemployment. Mm-hmm. That's not really how it's working. And so we're reaping benefits without paying our dues. And that that only applies to religious institutions. But you know, if you take if you take a wider pluralistic view of the United States, and recognize that every single person in the country, just like every single person in the planet, lives under a belief system that could be termed a religion, just upon yeah. how you define it, that no one deserves to have any more or less involvement, taxation, protection, right, than than any other. And that the easiest way would be to just make everything equal and let people choose, right? The right. other way just seems like 
communism <laughs> like how 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 do you why do you think it's okay to regulate what the i, I can't remember what what they're called but they're there's a group of people up upstate new york that um they like they worship and they pray to crystals in the in the forest and stuff like that like how do you regulate that oh you guys can't do that on fridays you can only do it on and you need to be able to give us it's almost like the mafia trying to get a percentage of your business sales um but they tell you how to operate your business you should be doing this every month if not we're going to send somebody to come break your legs because this is how much we should be getting now um uh I know it's not that crazy with with the with the five hundred one c three, but at the same time, I feel like both sides can easily take advantage of the fact yeah. that the church has that that the church has is is uh, the five hundred one c three is accessible to religious organizations, um, and having it just taken out of the equation gets rid of the fact that both sides could take advantage of each other. And the in, the interesting thing is, and I don't know how true this is. All I know is that I know this is a practice because we went to a church where this was the practice, and I've heard hmm. other pastors talk about it. A lot of churches, like we said, there's 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 a there's a practice of assumption of status of nonprofit, but some churches uh, choose to apply, go through the official application and approval to get an actual 501c3 status in, a, in, the, in the tax code number. A lot of churches and ministries choose not to do that because that actually puts you under government regulations. Now they see. And, and, and I don't know how the case law has played out, but the what I've heard pastors say is that they, they are, cons- I don't know if it's actually happened or if they're concerned that if you, if you go through that process and make it official, even though, even though the outcome's the same, One's official, one's unofficial, but it's all really the same thing. If you make it official, you may not have the freedom to discriminate in hiring anymore because now you've made it official. So a lot of ministries are just operating this gray area that has been allowed uh, so that they are not subject to controls, but again, re-benefits um, that they don't contribute to the pot for. Um, and, and again, this, those areas where things get gray, where we understand Christian or not, Muslim, Hindu, atheist, uh, people, human nature <laughs> sometimes uh, takes advantage of those gray areas in ways that shouldn't happen. Wow. That's crazy. What What's your take on the whole, because I feel like what was what Jesse just said, the ministries that decide not to so they can have a say in who they hire. Um uh, how, how, coming from your stance and your viewpoint, uh, how does that make you feel about actually religious uh, organization? It, so you might be a little surprised. Uh, honestly, to me, I hear that, and I think uh, pastors who think that they they should operate in the gray area probably don't realize. How many protections they enjoy officially with the case law anyway so i mean it, wow. i'm an attorney i'd rather have everything like dress right dress so that if if 
any legal questions do come up, I already have them answered, right? Mm. <laughs> so when I hear that, I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, these guys are operating in like a gray market. Um, but if it were me, I wouldn't want to be operating in a gray market. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> right. And that, that's to me integrity. But then there's the other side that likes that term plausible deniability. If I never set the rule, then I can't ever be then accused I can't, of violating right, the right. rule. I, I've even heard that in not just in churches, but in nonprofit circles of like, do not create an employee pamphlet or a uh, an item, a list of like, you know, guidelines and mm -hmm. systems for mm -hmm. how your business operates. Because then if something goes sideways in some program that you're doing or event that you host or something, then you can be held liable for that. But if you leave it all unspoken, See, yeah, I can't can, separate can my mind from that. That just sounds like red flags and trouble. Just... It, it should, it should. <laughs> but it's like, there's this, 100%. there's this, I've seen it a lot because I've, I've worked both in the church and in nonprofit circles and closely with a lot of people in various faith-based and non-faith-based uh, uh, nonprofits. And, and there is, there's there's a loosey goosey that goes on there because it's just, it's almost just like mm -hmm. if that's the culture, like that's the way we they have to do it to survive. Um, in, in a you know in a it's a very doggy dog world when it, when it's out there fighting for those uh, grant dollars and oh gosh and things like that and so people uh, yeah they fudge the line all the time even when it comes to accounting and stuff yeah. like that and so that begs the question of like like you said like is the is the answer deregulation and just the government take their hand off or is it you know equal regulation across the board So I, th I think just, you know churches should have the same things available to them that lots of other organizations and institutions have um, and just not have this special carved out exception I, I just think it's there's there are just too many opportunities for it to become a uh, and I'm sorry to use this term I just can't think of a better one incestuous relationship between mm -hmm certain churches and government that mm -hmm. I, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I'm not religious, um, but I certainly wouldn't want that if I were. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't want it because I'm not, but I also wouldn't want it if I were. Yeah, wow. right. That's a, you said a mouthful. <laughs> what's up with the, what's up with the not, not for profit, for profit organizations? What do you mean? Like, like the difference? How, how they can do that. They can be for-profit and not-for-profit at the same time. It's a question of accounting. I mean, really. Have yeah, you heard not, of that? I, I, you'll maybe elaborate for me because I'm not sure so exactly what you mean. I, I know of an organization that um, got a 501c3, but mm -hmm. at the same time, they wanted to profit from it as well as be a non-profit. And there was some sort of there is, uh, from what they were telling me, there's such a thing as a for-profit, uh, uh, a not-for-profit profit organization, something that you can have. Yeah, I think I think there's, 
again because we're talking 501c3 yeah. but that's obviously that's two indentations down from 501 so there's there's a diversity of types two. of organizations and they are subject to different types of regulation mm-hmm. um so yeah i, I've I mean i'm not a tax about. attorney ah but what i can say is uh w- with any organization especially large ones you can have all sorts of uh i guess modularity is the best way to put it um different corporate entities that are uh somehow tied together uh but not the same entity for tax purposes for uh payroll purposes the whole nine yards um so i wonder if if that's what uh you were uh uh, somebody was was talking about maybe yeah, okay well it, it kind of goes yeah. it goes back to the it kind of goes back to the the question of, and, and i don't know the details of this with joel olstein like i know that you can have a non-profit organization with a non-profit facility and they can house a for-profit business within that facility and still and still not have to pay taxes on the on the business property that the, sounds... the for-profit business still has to pay taxes on their business, yeah. But the property is the belongs to the nonprofit, so I, I know that there's places to do that, and even individuals. And of course, there's questionable practices that I know happen where people, people basically have their own business, but then they also are the you know they also are the executive director of a nonprofit. Right. And they take the profits from the for-profit business, they give it to the nonprofit, mm-hmm. so it's tax deductible. Mm-hmm. But that's actually going back into their own pocket because they're the executive director See, of the nonprofit. That sounds so, so that kind shady of stuff. It, 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 that stuff is shady, <laughs> and and, and literally, if they got caught doing it, they would get in trouble. That's not stuff that that you're illegally allowed to do. Right. But there's so much gray area and non-regulation within that whole sphere, um, and so many different types of nonprofit organizations you can be. And you know, and once you get the church involved, you may or may not even officially be 501c3. It's just an assumed thing. Uh, like I said, when there's gray area, questionable things can happen. And I think that's something to consider for us as Christians, as the church. Do we want to be involved in a gray area? Because the 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 Bible teaches us that we're supposed to you know, be above reproach. We're supposed to live in such a way that no one can question our integrity. That's right. And so does, does involving ourselves in gray area um, things when it comes to stuff like this, is that compromising? It's allowing, you know, well-meaning people like Jesse, but also, you know, people who may have malicious intent who have the same thought process to say, hold up. Right. (laughs) Right to cast aspersions on you know maybe lump everyone together you know if you have if you have enough bad actors it it reflects poorly on everybody on everybody and one thing I don't know like I'm assuming but I also I was looking up recently because they have this they had this uproar because that that the dude who was in the bison costume who stormed the (laughs) oh yeah yeah and then like demanded you know, a like vegan meal and stuff. And so there was a court case about it. I was surprised to find out that it's, it is still not generally accepted practice that, you know, Muslim inmates are allowed kosher uh, or halal meat meals and, uh, is and things like that. They have to, they have to fight for that or many states just hold where it's available to you through the commissaries, but then you have to have money on your books to pay for that. The general meal that you get for free, they're not required to. So I'm not, I don't want to assume I may be completely wrong that we would think based upon the constitution 
that these 501c3 official or unofficial uh, is being provided as a matter of practice to all houses of worship. Um, but it's quite possible that in reality, mm -hmm. it has become a specialized place for just the Christian church, which it adds a whole nother layer. layer of yeah, I feel like I'm going to be problem. doing a lot of homework after I, <laughs> I feel like I should have done we more research. I didn't these think about it beforehand. I've raised a whole bunch of questions for me that honestly, I like, I hadn't really given much thought to before. Um, like you said about how uh, religious exemptions and, and uh, uh, tax uh, uh, status uh, is is afforded. Um, it totally wouldn't shock me to see uh, a breakdown based on certain religions over others. But I mean, I honestly have no idea. Because yeah. uh, if it is working like that, as we said, that that's another. That's a. It's a. It's not. It's indirect, but it's still real. That it serves whether it's intentional or not or codified or not. And that's kind of the thing with systemic racism people too. People are like, well, the guidelines say, yeah, but in practice, right? So I'm sure the guidelines would, they would be able to argue that there's nothing in the rules right. that specify that this is only for Christian right. churches. Right. But in practice, that would act as right. the government establishing a particular religion if they're offering these benefits, which we understand as, as pastors who don't, pastor in giant mega churches and yeah. we know how tight finances can be that that nonprofit status helps us survive and if it's not being extended to all the other faith communities then so, that makes them I, it makes I, it I much harder for them to to build their faith and their communities of belief and so in, in in an indirect way the government is establishing christianity because it's easier to have a Christian church than it is to have a Muslim church or oh, wow. a, a yeah. Jewish church or yeah. a Buddhist church. So I, I have a question for you guys. I, I mean, I, I've, I rarely go to church, right? Like I, I have family members. Occasionally I may end up going with them. Right. Um, so the odds of me having a conversation with people about, uh, uh, you know, a deep, conversation with people about kind of the religious plurality of the country and, and mm -hmm. whatnot, uh, probably not super high, right? Like uh, we're here talking, I'm here talking with you guys uh, because you and I are friends, right? And and we were, we were friends through law school uh, and happened to stay friends. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I like to try to make the effort to, to maintain friends from a lot of different backgrounds, because I think it expands my perspective. Uh, how much of that is discussed in 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 your circles in churches? Um, just out of curiosity. How, how do you like this whole conversation we're having? Well, yeah, well, just like, hey, we're we're all Christian here. We all follow the Bible. We all, you know, whatever church you happen to be part of. Um, we all, you know, have Bible study, that kind of thing. But, you know, we also recognize that, that uh, one of the strengths of our society at, at large is the openness that allows us to practice our faith and others to practice theirs. And like, we want to reach out to those other communities. Cause I mean, I've seen some of that in the political sphere. Um, you see that occasionally. I I'm just wondering like how much you guys experience that on the ground uh in with your religious affiliations uh i 
I recently resigned from the the church that I was that I was at because they didn't want to have the conversation uh, about many things, but um, uh, recently it was the conversation surrounding social justice. Um, while they didn't want to talk about social justice, they did want to talk about their political standing um, and support of Trumpism. So I thought I was like, okay, it's kind of hard, right? It was super. It was super difficult. Um, and because, that you know, that's actually something yeah. we didn't even bring that up yeah. either. Yeah. That's the other side of the spectrum is that uh, nonprofit organizations, churches, you know, who don't pay taxes. Um, have clearly become very vocal um, and powerful entities in the political sphere. Right. Um, and so that pre presents another que uh, problem and question uh, based upon, you know, the idea of separation of church and state mm -hmm. and not having the establishment mm -hmm. of any religion over another is that if one religion has enough members, which the Christian faith still does right. in America, uh, to have a majority um, that that can become and now we have a tyrannical advocate. or oppressive as right. we've seen it. Like, no, right. this is this is what we believe in the scriptures. And this is what we're going to make law. Abortion right. is against God, so we're going to make it illegal. Homosexuality is against God, so we're going to make it illegal. We're forcing our faith right. on other people through politics, mm -hmm. um, and we have and, and all the while enjoying that. a nonprofit status, right. uh, where the government is making it easier right. for us to to operate. That's I a mean, whole other really, question of of crossed wires that are not really supposed to be technically according to the rules crossed. Yeah, I mean, you really just boiled down kind of the, the, the thing that always uh, sticks with me. And that is, you know, forcing your faith on others through politics. Like that's the one thing that I want not to happen. That's you know? it. Everything else is, uh, I, you know, I, I want, people to have uh, the ability to follow their faith. Um, I just don't want people to force laws onto me based Absolutely. on Absolutely. And um, as you mentioned, it definitely in, in, in this country, uh, it, that can happen if you don't have uh, this clear principle of separation of church and state yeah. with with Christianity, because it's definitely the majority of people in the country. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I had always been told growing up and then, you know, later in life getting into ministry that you weren't allowed to speak directly to particular candidates in elections for risk of losing your nonprofit status. But I wonder if that is only if you have the official 501c3 status, you could lose that. And so some of these churches so, that we see clearly think that it's being adhered to closely at all these days. Um, right. Yeah, like clearly not. But I wonder if the churches where the pastors are not following that have consciously chosen to not officially file for 501c3. I mean, it's uh, certainly possible. Not. I don't know that it would grant them some additional protection, but um, it, sh yeah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. But yeah, I, I mean, but just especially this last election cycle, it just became clear that I'm like, oh, I I thought that was kind of like a rule. That was a thing. That's how it was, it was communicated to me. But uh, 
clearly not because uh, these guys are doing they it without with impun- it, right. with apparent impun- impunity. So mm-hmm. um, I guess that's one of the places where the other parts of the First Amendment come to, like how do you balance freedom of religion with freedom of speech? Of course, the one tricky thing about law is that as much as uh, we like to think that, you know, it's uh, it's not based normatively and on values, the truth is all laws are. All laws have normative values-based underpinnings. I would just like to see, uh, you know, let's focus on the things that we can agree on universally, like, you yeah. know, People agree that murder is something that should be against the law. I don't think it really matters what religion you are. I don't think there is any religion right. there where they condone murder. So unless have a, a law against murder. So, unless you're a cop. <laughs> oh, man. So, oh, man. yeah. So, you know, yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, a law carries, the law is the, is the, the written expression of the values of our society, which, of course, change over time. But we also can't escape the fact that uh, all the way from founding to still today, yeah. the majority of society of our of society, our society has had Christian values, at least, at least supposedly, and that those morphed, have be, those have morphed. codified themselves in case law. And I mean, Saturdays, law. Sundays off, religious holidays. Uh, you can't sell alcohol on Sunday. Well, you couldn't. When, when right. we lived in New, in, in New York for a long time, you couldn't. In yeah. Georgia yeah. and some of the those southern states, are, you can Those can't. things are slowly going away, which yeah. I think reflects the changing nature of, of the demographics in our country. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how the law continues to change. When, when we first started talking, you know, my, my, <laughs> my viewpoint was, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if now because of what happened in the last four years and that we now have democrat control um it would probably still be a long shot because even, even obviously many of the democrats still uh, maintain a christian faith and answer to a base that is largely christian but uh there's a possibility that the backlash might be churches losing uh, those protective statuses um, we, we've argued that that may be, be the best thing. thing that could ever happen to right. the church in America <laughs> in actuality for all the reasons we've talked about today. Well, you cut I mean, out all that gray area and you cut out yeah. all this stuff that we've allowed ourselves to be uh, to, to affect our testimony to the world. A lot of people uh, I know uh, point to you know the distinction between us and Europe and if you look at kind of the way religion's going in Europe uh, it's not nearly as uh, vitalized uh, as it has as it is in the United States. Um, it hasn't been for a long time, and uh, some people say that that's specifically because of the First Amendment and mm. and our insistence in this country uh, at the outset uh, to allow for religious pluralism. Uh, and uh, yeah, I. I think that's a distinct possibility that, you know, if, if, if you really had uh, a movement that gained enough traction 
to uh, remove government, extract, disentangle government from religion in the United States uh, much more than it is right now. Um, it may revitalize uh, a lot of religious institutions in ways. Um, Here's the thing. What is the benefit of having an advocate in office for your particular religion, if not to control people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yep. You yeah, just yeah. want to control people. And that that's yeah. the danger and and the fact that our politics have become increasingly polarized based upon religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. At least in terms of Christianity versus everybody right. else. Because then they, then they could say all right, Trump got in, and evangelicals got what they wanted. Then, then they could, they can, they could. Um, they're justified in any and everything. Yeah, and they that just, they wanted to. <laughs> you know the Supreme Court. I, I was so relieved on January twenty first, bro. <laughs> like I, I been that relieved about politics, perhaps in my entire life. Um, and I don't know where we're going from here. Uh, yeah. I think that there are, are monumental issues that that we have to overcome. Um, but geez, I, I thought we were teetering on the edge. Yeah, I did too. We probably still are. I, I, we, I we probably are. still are. We watch, I don't. I, I, agree. I don't know if you uh, if you watch movies and films and stuff like that, but uh, I just watched this it's a faux comedy uh documentary Hilarious. called the death of 2020 Hilarious. on netflix and <laughs> i'll have to check it out it's, it's, oh, it's, hilarious. it's so hilarious um but you know one of the things that they one of the things that the the faux historian uh, played by hugh grant hugh grant actually uh it was great it would be a british faux historian uh says is like what happens when the next trump comes along Right. What happens if he's younger and more charismatic right. and more, uh, uh, smarter. at least at least Has more in control hair. of his emotions, so that he can be more uh, politically correct about his, you know, machinations and uh, subterfuge? Uh, what happens then? Because clearly, we still have, you know, seventy plus million Americans who wanted Trump to win, and That's a right. lot who are still angry and and revved up and uh, honestly ready to go to war yeah. about this whole thing yeah that's that is frightening um because you know I, I i i think i'm probably a little older than you guys i'm not certain about that i, I know i'm older than you are he's but... older than he looks oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> I, he looks younger than me but he's older. i can remember a time when uh you know, it didn't really, whatever your politics were, we were all American. And like the thought of breaking things apart in this country, uh, the way that kind of looks like they, they could end up going was just totally unthinkable. It wasn't even something that uh, you really considered seriously. <laughs> right. Uh, because just nobody felt that way about the United States. Um, and to see uh, what we saw on January 6th, and, and uh, I just, it, 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 
on the one hand, I wasn't shocked, but on the other, it's it's just such a departure from what I grew up with. I just mm -hmm. can't believe how far down we've gone. Uh, I, us too. It 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 surprised me. Like I was telling you earlier, how many how many uh, religious organizations evangelicals jumped on board with that? And I, Jesse and I were like, what are what are we seeing right now? Like this is the craziest thing. Like I I was scared going to church because oh. I thought at any moment one of these people wearing a trump mask at the church is going to say something out of out of turn wow you, you know what i'm saying i was like what yeah. am i gonna after uh uh um i i wore i can't breathe shirt and no one said anything to me but there was a tension that was like so palpable and then i get a call later from one from one of the senior leaders yeah you should probably not wear that it's it's the same as as uh as me preaching about trump and you know it's not good but yet he preached about trump every sunday and prayed for trump every sunday and talked about how great everything is going to be if trump gets in office every sunday wow and i was scared going because i was like these people want this wow you know what i'm saying it it, yeah, it, yeah. it it was it was it was the craziest thing that i had ever seen um and i grew up in the my i'm a third generation pastor's kid so mm -hmm. everything i did was church my whole life was church i've seen some crazy stuff but i've never seen that i've even been in cults <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> i've never seen anything like this yeah. that's i mean that's one of the reasons we we are of the opinion that if it happens it could really be the best thing that's ever happened to the right. church would be to lose that protected tax exempt status because it's funny how things purify themselves when money gets removed from the equation. right you see so the real intention that tax exemption there's gonna be a lot of churches that close yeah and, and maybe that a lot of churches whose budgets drastically change and What's all of that? a sudden they have to pay oh. property taxes on their buildings mm -hmm. and all of a sudden pastors are not gonna be able to be living that luxurious lifestyle and what? it's what gonna get to a lot harder and bro? then the people whose hearts are not right are gonna go somewhere else and make their money some other way right and it's gonna be a mm -hmm. purification I'm, what would you say jay well, I, was, I think that Jesse kind of uh, brought it to the, what I was going to say is there's this sense of entitlement that might end up going away uh, if, if those exemptions were taken mm -hmm. off the board. Um, So when was the last now. time when was the last time you went to a church to organize oh my <laughs> um boy it's been a few years uh what is coach you know, uh, i don't know if honest. you guys have ever seen the movie glory road but coach uh. the coach in the movie is on a recruiting trip and the mom's like, you know, we're church people. Are you go to church. He's like, I'll be honest with you, ma'am. I haven't been in church so long. I forgot what day it's on. <laughs> <laughs> what day is church? I on? love that line. What day is church on? I I remember going to a midnight mass in Germany uh, when I was still married, and that was that had to be kind of cool in Germany. 
Wow. Well, yeah, so I lived in Germany for a few years. Um, and Fantastisch. Uh, wie bitte? Fantastisch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, auf jeden Fall. <laughs> Jawohl. <laughs> um, anyway, so that was, that would have been 2013, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that may have been the last time. Uh, it's, well, not much has changed, but it's, it, it's definitely gotten more. So the reason why we were like saying this would be the best thing, probably the best thing that, that could ever happen because like we're like on the front lines of the church world as pastors and stuff. And we're, we're seeing what it's become. And it's like, yo, like, like you said about the entitlement, that's the very thing that we need taking from us. I, I think with any organization, any one who's trying to, who has set out to do something good, um, uh, the last thing you want to have in your backpack of things that you want to dis dispense to people is entitlement. Right. Because that automatically puts you on a different level than the people you're, that you're trying to help. You, you think of the whole were, Pharisees. Right. Thing. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, we talked about how like part of that is is the explanation for the mess that our politics are in today which is not just a, a, you know, a partisan issue. It's, I mean, it's across the board. The Democrats yeah. are a mess. The Republicans are a mess. It's a whole lot of garbage. Right. And, and we talked about how the part of the problem is that as politics have become increasingly uh, 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 combative yeah. and along specifically along religious Christian, Christian lines, the Republicans know that as long as they are anti-abortion, anti-same-sex marriage, anti-immigration, and pro-Israel, that they can count <laughs> on the fact that they will get most Christian votes regardless of anything. And Trump just proved it. You right. can be the worst person in the world, and you will still get their vote. The problem is the Democrats are on the other side knowing the same thing. As long as we are for gay marriage, yeah. uh, for abortion, <laughs> you get all uh, the for immigration, <laughs> and and you know are at least neutral on. Israel, I don't know if Israel is really a big deal to them either way, then we can they count just don't on the like fact Olive that we're going to get all these people will vote for us regardless of all the other garbage we do because well, they couldn't ever I mean, imagine themselves voting for the other side. Yeah. I, I and mean, this allows them to engage in so much garbage and lack of service to the people of America that it's really degraded our politics to the point that we're at right now. Well, yeah, and the one thing that is hard with that is I think about certain hot button issues. And I mean, to me, it seems like there are approaches we could take that we could find common ground on, but, but we're so far beyond that. You take like abortion, for example. I, I mean, most people can agree that, you know, we want, we don't want more abortions. We want fewer abortions, right? Like you talk <laughs> yeah. to, I bet, you, I bet you it's like nine out of 10 people say, yeah. I don't want, I want fewer abortions, right? Yeah. Like if we can all agree on that, can't we like start discussing which policies will get us fewer abortions? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. as opposed which, to just- Which historically okay, has actually been democratic policies. Approach and be done with it, right? Right, yeah. right. Or, you know, anyway <laughs> yeah that's one of the interesting things i found last year in my research was that uh republican uh administrations have higher 
abortion rates than democratic right. Right. yeah it's crazy it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. interesting yeah. stuff but yeah it's like man how like what's it going to take for us to come back to the table and and try to find the common ground as americans and i think part of it yeah. is for the church uh to to separate itself from government and Just give give up this separate. false ideology yeah. that america is a christian nation and recognize that we are supposed to be a nation that serves I mean, I wouldn't even necessarily argue with the notion, and this is sort of an interesting take, I think, coming from a, an agnostics perspective. I do think that we are a Christian nation by and large, but not, so I think of that in a sense of demographically what we are and have always been. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, it's phenomenal that despite the fact that we started as a Christian nation and have been a Christian nation, we actually uh, went out of our way to make ourselves a pluralistic nation. And I mean, I think that's a credit to all the Christians who came before us who helped us go out of our way to do that because they didn't have to, they didn't need to, hmm. uh, but they saw the value in it. And I would love it if we could get that back because it yeah. used to be that I think most people generally did see the value of religious pluralism in, in the United States. Yeah. The problem is I yeah. think they they saw the value in it until it became a problem for until them. it became <laughs> until it became yeah until their majority began to wane and they, mm -hmm. they see a dark they see a yeah, dark yeah, end of the tunnel where that, right? they understand yeah. that in the next twenty five years. Yeah, secure in its majority for so long yeah, and lately the demographics have shifted so yeah. much that yeah, it's easy to be benevolent when you're securing your power. <laughs> <laughs> I said right, that, and this is like kind of neither here nor there. It's kind of funny, but I I say the more religions, the better food. That's <laughs> Christians don't have that. That goes for we, cultures, ethnicities. We races. don't have that. We don't have that much good food. All right, All right Jesse. Yeah. Man, we're gonna let you go. We I'll appreciate you your time too. and your input and your thoughts so much, man. I I really enjoyed it. Thank you much, gentlemen. Have a great I'm, one. I'm All gonna right. find you on Facebook and friend you. That was a great conversation, bro. Thank you, man. Yeah, you'll get to see all my crazy political posts. Then. <laughs> Hopefully, we won't have to be so crazy anymore. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah, that's the idea. I want to be bored, right? All right, brother. All right, take it easy. Thanks, Thanks for, listening. for listening. Join us next time. Yes, please join us next time as Jesse and I continue to answer questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture.